With Virgin Media, you can build up the entertainment and tear down the price. Switch to Virgin Media today and get super-fast broadband and TV for just €49 a month for an awesome 12 months. The sale that stacks up. Now on. See virginmedia.ie and check out how our mobile sales stacks up too. T's and C's apply. See virginmedia.ie. 12-month contract. Offer ends 27th of February 2019. From frigid Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank. And I'm Doug. And coming up today, uh, we've got, uh, well, Doug is also a return missionary. Um, and so we're going to be talking about missions uh, and just kind of share some stories about that. And, uh, you know, two former Mormon missionaries. Right. That's kind of what we have to talk about. Right, exactly. <laughs> With vastly different experiences. Yeah. And we should point out that Doug is sitting in for Dan today. That's right. Uh, so thank you so much for, for being here. Glad to be back. Yeah. Um, this is your second time guest hosting. Second time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The first time went really well. And so... Thank you. With uh, Dan out of town this time, I, yeah, it was just kind of a no-brainer. Well, I'm back. glad to have replaced Mark completely from the podcast. We can <laughs> erase his names from the obelisks. <laughs> Uh, no, I, th- I think we'd have some sad listeners with that one. Um, yeah, so uh, so what you got, D- uh, Doug? Well, since it's my second time back, uh, the first time I was here, we covered this story, and it came back up in the uh, the news again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a happy story. It's uh, out of Chechnya, which mm. I guess goes without saying. It's, um, it's almost like there are no happy stories. Not really. Chechnya. Not that, that industry dried up many years ago. <laughs> um, when I was when I was back on the show, there was a, a crackdown in Chechnya. This guy Katerov, the leader of Chechnya, which uh-huh. is a semi-autonomous region of Russia. Basically, yeah. it's part of Russia, but it does what it wants. They were rounding up homosexuals, mm-hmm. and for reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, they had rounded up about a hundred or so. No one really knew what was happening or why. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in the aftermath of that, there are about 40, uh, gay men in Russia hiding in various parts of Russia, trying to flee, uh, that have applied for visas to the United States and have been rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, they've applied to various other, uh, Western democracies, but because the region they're coming from, there's no interest in getting these people out of there. How can this not qualify for some kind of refugee status? Like. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, This is, uh, it's horrifying, actually. It's really scary. And, and, you know, Russia generally is not a good place for gay people. So, (laughs) you know, fleeing Chechnya and your only only, uh, good option is to be in another part of a terrible place. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And this this is not funny, but it's interesting. This Kotorov guy uh, was kind of pressed about this. Um, and originally, and again, recently, he said he's denying that there's a crackdown because Chechnya, quote, does not have this phenomenon called non-traditional sexual orientation. <laughs> there can be no crackdown because there's no gay people here. Okay, so what are they doing? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's for some other reason, apparently. Uh. <laughs> so he's maintained for a long time that there are just homosexuality is a deviation that doesn't exist in the Chechnyan people. Wow. So... Yeah. Huh. Fun stuff. I'll scratch that place off my, <laughs> my list of countries to visit. Yeah, I don't think tourism is up there on their on their uh, top industry list. Apparently not. 
Uh, however, uh, uh, funny hats seem to be. Funny hats and mustacheless beards. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good look. <laughs> Oh my god, that's 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 awesome, and I you know it's terrible. This is out of BuzzFeed. I do love that they chose one picture of him where he was blinking. If that (laughs) good for BuzzFeed, good for BuzzFeed, (laughs) sticking it to him. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, a little less funny, Um, probably no less terrifying. Uh, Trump, our uh, our esteemed president, for now, for 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 the next few weeks, time of recording. He is set to uh, do his first um, foreign uh, traveling, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's going to be hitting up, uh, was it Israel, uh, Saudi Arabia, and what was the other one you mentioned? The Vatican. Oh, the Vatican. That's right. (laughs) That's going to really go well. (laughs) Fortunately, uh, the Vatican visit, he's not likely to really start something uh, that we're never going to be able to pull back from well, i don't think you um, should underestimate him <laughs> <laughs> well the vatican doesn't own many missiles true um but uh as far as his trip to saudi arabia uh on the docket there is a speech that is planned uh where he's going to speak about islam and to... his, his version of a peaceful islam and his version of peaceful islam who thought this was a good idea <laughs> I think it's the one topic that they should absolutely tell him not to talk about. Right. Under any circumstance. Do not even... It's... Do not talk about... (laughs) In Saudi Arabia. This thing that could get you killed. Uh, And start a war. More likely just start a war. And isn't he going to speak to the the leaders of 50 uh, Muslim countries? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, So, um, yeah, he... This is through... um, What's the, the spokesperson's name? Um, let's see. National Security Advisor H.R. McCaster. McMaster. McMaster. Thank you. Uh, he says um, the president will share his hopes for a uh, peaceful vision of Islam to dominate across the world. Uh, he calls it he calls its uh, he's, he's calling on its our Muslim partners uh, to unite the broader Muslim world against common enemies of all civilization. I just wonder how pe- people like the Christians in this country would feel if, you know, a Muslim yeah. president of a foreign country uh-huh. came over here and started talking to evangelicals about what they need to get right. And it wouldn't be like the King of Jordan, who's an educated, well-spoken <laughs> man. It'd be, be like this... Fucker Kotarov coming over here and telling yeah. us how to to be our religion. Yeah, yeah. It it would not go well, and I don't think uh, we'd be very receptive, or our religious people would be very receptive to did, it. So that quote say he's he wants a peaceful version of Islam to dominate. To dominate. Yeah. Can that can Which that? I love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great sentence. <laughs> Make sure I got that. <laughs> um. You know, and uh, it's not like his other speeches to specific religious groups have gone perfectly. Right. You know, like eh, his one to Christians went well. Um, no, the, but the, no, no surprise there. But he that also was the talked, two Corinthians speech, right? <laughs> the, um, I think there's been one since that one. <laughs> um, but um, he also um, spoke to a uh, group of Holocaust. Uh, well, no, it was uh, he spoke to a group of um it was a jewish group of some kind on holocaust remembrance day 
Uh, and that one, I guess, went okay as well. Um, but again, there's just kind of been a lot of mixed reviews with these groups that he should have some familiarity with. Yeah. And that also aren't as volatile. Exactly. I, he is not qualified to give a, a speech on Christianity. <laughs> and he's nominally been a Christian for 70 years. Right. What are the chances this is going to go well? <laughs> right, not very well. <laughs> right, not well. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Of course, the show will probably be coming out right as the missiles start launching. Yeah. <laughs> so you listeners may not get a chance to. And, and you know he didn't go to Mexico or Canada or any other liberal democracy because there would be massive protests in the streets. Yeah, that's an excellent point. He's going yeah. to military dictatorships yeah, where or, he knows he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's an excellent point. God. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm getting really tired of holding my breath, waking up tomorrow and going, hey, we're still here. <laughs> I know. There's, yeah. So we'll see. Hmm. We'll see how long we're still here. Well, um, speaking of the Vatican. Okay. This one's entertaining. Okay. Um it turns out, it appears that Trump is about to nominate an um, ambassador to the Vatican City, mm. which, mm. leaving aside the fact that we have an ambassador to a pretend nation. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's real. It's like having it's... an ambassador to Narnia. <laughs> it's like what? A, a square mile? Is it? I don't even know if it's that big. Um, but but it's, it's cute. It's very pretty. It's, a, it's adorable. It's a great place. <laughs> Apparently, it's just fucktown, too, you know, from all the... Oh, yeah, the sexually no. repressed cardinals and priests. Or, yes. Yeah. They're, they're, this is off subject, but apparently there are, you know, pretty raucous rumors about the, the brothels and nightclubs around Vatican City that are are pretty great places to be. Well, wow. depending mm. on yeah. what you like. Uh-huh, I'm sure. But um, the, the, the nominee that he is thinking of sending to uh, the Vatican as ambassador for the United States is Callista Gingrich. Which is oh boy, awesome! Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, Callista, uh, as you may or may not know, is the third wife of former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, mm. and he's still around. Apparently, do we still have to? Does his name have to be mentioned? Still? Right. At what point does it end? <laughs> is this expiration date for these terrible people? Um, she's his third wife, and he was a. Uh, I, th- I don't know what he was before. Um, but she converted him to Catholicism. Mm. So, yeah, okay, yeah. By what manner, I can only imagine. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, and well, then cheating, right? Right. The, the cheating, right? We the, talked about exactly. Here, you know, the third. She was his third wife. He abandoned two of his previous wives because of sickness. Uh-huh. I mean, is if there's a, a man more in in contrast and opposition to anything that the Christian religion is supposed to stand for, I right. can't think of it. Right. A rich white serial pederast. Yeah. Yeah. And he's and his wife is going to be the ambassador to the Vatican. So I didn't know that detail about that. The, the reason the first two marriages ended was because the women got sick. He traded in for a uh, younger and better model both times. Oh my. For, and it, God. I, the, the 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 details I might have backwards but they're they're correct as far as it goes. One was cancer and one was some other disease that he left oh them. Oh god. He left them once they were sick and married younger. Uh so yeah. So he's a good man. A decent man. Good man. Yeah. And this is wife number 3 and uh they hooked up after an affair. Is the Vatican even big enough to house ambassadors from every country? Uh, that I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. If they get an apartment, (laughs) 
a cell somewhere that they get to, <laughs> to stay in. You get a phone and a toilet, and that's it. I'm sure the phone and toilet are gorgeous. <laughs> You're right. Um, all right, let's see. Are you familiar with this? Uh, it's it's apparently been this a fad that is just sweeping the nation. In fact, possibly the entire world. Uh, you know what a fidget spinner I is? saw a story about this the other day. Yeah. I, I'm too old and I don't have kids, so I kind of don't feel like I'm the target demographic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 had fun, I, I saw one uh, probably a couple weeks ago. Had no clue what it was, right? But one of the girls at work was just playing with it like mad, yeah. right? Just kept... And it's, so it's this little thing where you... Uh, it's only a couple inches across... And they come in a few different styles, but the, the, the one that seems to be kind of the, the main predominant one, you, you hold this a disc in the middle uh, of this thing between like your thumb and forefinger, uh-huh. right? And then the rest of it is on like um, some sort of probably ball bearing or whatever system. Right. And you spin it and, it and it will spin just forever, right? Like a minute or two. Yeah. Just boom. And it's supposed to help with fidgety kids. It gives them something that's quiet and uh, that's not really all that distracting to play with and uh. just kind of keep their hands occupied. Isn't that what Ritalin's for? Well, yeah, but it might be nice to have a non-Ritalin solution. I guess. I don't know. Sure. Um, I don't have kids. Yeah, drug them up, you know? (laughs) But so anyway, um, there has been some concern, however, in Israel um, over uh, fidget spinners. Uh, Yeah, uh, apparently um, there was uh, some concern within the Orthodox community uh, about uh, whether they were kosher for the Sabbath. Oh, okay. I, I was hoping this is where this was going. (laughs) And so, thank goodness, everybody, (laughs) like... Just in case you were worried, uh, the Scientific Institution uh, or the Scientific Institute of Technology uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the, the good rabbis there have um, put the spinner through a co- quote comprehensive technological examination <laughs> and determined that it is permissible to use on the Sabbath. Um, th- their only caveat is that it cannot ha- it can't be one that has lights in it because. <laughs> The spinner's movement is what turns the lights on. Oh, so God. the person doing the spinning would technically be doing work, and therefore, no good for the Sabbath. So you don't have to hire a goy to stand next to you and tap your <laughs> spinning thing every few minutes. That's good. <laughs> it makes things easier for the Jewish children of Israel, well, and the Jewish children everywhere. Um, they're now able to not fidget as much. However... Um, the fidgeting will, they'll have to figure out how to not fidget in, uh, in, uh, when they go to synagogue, uh, because, uh, the, the, the rabbis noted that they should probably not be bringing them in in order to not harm the sanctity of the place. So no, that's, there's nothing worse than a fidgety Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, apparently though, um, the inventor of the toy, um, she must be Israeli. Right. Really? Yeah. Or at least was in Israel at the time or in that region of the world, I guess I should say a little more broadly. Um, she saw a bunch of Palestinian youth. Um, this was back in the 90s throwing rocks yeah. right at a building or whatever. 
And she was like, those kids need something to do with their hands. And this is the toy that she invented. Oh, my God. And so it's actually been around for a really like a couple decades now. But it just for whatever reason, just like sprang to wild popularity in over the last like 30, 40 days. I mean, every article I was reading about it, just talking about this phenomenon. Yeah, I saw something. That it was just like, everyone's got one now. Everyone has one. Uh, the top 10 toys on Amazon for like a, a week last month were all spinners of some kind. Uh, like, it's insane. That's, that's nice that something good came out of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing if that's what actually turned the tide and brought peace? They just stopped fidgeting. They're all just standing the in the street corner region. spinning their fidgeters. <laughs> God. Is that um, really why she wanted to make this thing is to stop Palestinian? That's the quote. That and is... I, 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 it's, it, that quote is in the story that was in, in the foreword, right? Oh, my God. Uh, and then, uh, but I, I followed it back. That's what Wikipedia says as well. So, Wow. Yeah. They have quotes from her talking about it. Now, her spinner wasn't exactly like those spinners that are kind of the, the like this one that's become really popular. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it's the exact same concept. Are you sure you're not talking about a dreidel? No. No? No. I'm she pretty made, sure. She made like this wicked, <laughs> wicked dreidel that just spins forever. Um, yeah, no. No. Awesome. <laughs> that's really funny. Oh. Oh, and it, they, the, the light thing, that's lighting a candle, right? That's the deal. If I they've got so. a light in it and they spin it, they're lighting a candle on the Sabbath. Right. Because, yeah. Well, yeah, turning on a light is, <sighs> is, is not kosher for Sabbath. I bet that was like the subject of weeks of deliberations. Oh, I would have loved to hear the deliberate. Like, on what grounds... When they you use know. their like robotic machinery to take these things apart for the analysis. I'm sure it's so technical. <laughs> right. God. Like, what did they do to this thing to, like, just hit it just, with a hammer? Just smash it. Good to go. Or just actually spin it on the Sabbath and, and see, see if, if something happens. still alive. <laughs> they should try that with all of the things. They should try eating milk, shri- uh, milk shrimp on the Sabbath. Ooh. Well, all right. <laughs> um,. You and I both have suffered, given that we are in an industry that is very much at the whims of our legislature. Mm. Um, this last legis- legislative session was not um, a great one for us. That's true. And among many other things that came out of it, aside from .05 and another insane liquor law that mm-hmm. we're going to be spending the next five years trying to figure out. Right. Um, Governor Gary Herbert uh, signed a new bill that keeps polygamy a felony in Utah and increases the penalties for polygamists, polygamists convicted of committing frauds and abuses. Now, anytime polygamy comes up in the legislature, the, the church actually tries to push it away. They don't want to deal with this issue. That's, it's a huge embarrassment for them. Um, I find that fascinating. It's so strange. You'd think they would want to snuff it out. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is they have tried on more than one occasion to actually stomp down on polygamy and end it. Okay. And in every case they have, it, it's blown up in their faces. Okay. Um, the, this goes all the way back to 1953, and uh, it, was called, it was called Short Creek back then. It's now Colorado City. Uh-huh. It's on the, the border with Arizona. Have you ever been down there? I've driven, yeah. It's a scary area. Yeah, it's yeah. a little weird. Yeah. It's weird. You definitely wouldn't want to drive my Subaru with the Obama sticker through <laughs> Colorado City. <laughs> yeah. I've only done one quick little drive, like... Just like ducked off the the highway. Yeah, because I've done the I've driven on the highway a number of times. Right, um, it's kind of off the beaten path. You have to yeah. want to get there. You have to want to get there um, unless you're going down to 
through like the uh, what do they call it? the Arizona Strip? Yeah, there, which is just north of uh, the Grand Canyon. Exactly. So if you're going to the north rim of the Grand Canyon, you might go through there. Right. Um, but it's 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 essentially 100 percent polygamist. Yeah. It's extremely remote. Right. Um. And and it was called Short Creek back in the 50s and the and the uh-huh. Arizona and Utah. Uh-huh. Short Creek. Short Creek. Short Creek. Exactly. Short Creek. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, uh, the government went in, the Arizona-Utah government went in and tried to stomp it out. Mm-hmm. And it blew up in their faces massively because they had to, they arrested all the men because those are the ones they could charge with bigamy and, and various other crimes. Mm-hmm. And then they had to deal with all of the women and children who mm-hmm. had lost all their breadwinners. And mm-hmm. as polygamists do, there's lots of women and children. Right. And it's the point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not a lot of men. Not a lot of men. And there's stories about how they make that work. Yeah. Um, Anyway, they, they, it blew up in their faces and it became such a PR nightmare uh, that they just decided essentially just to let it be. Hmm. Like, if you don't bug us, we won't bug you. Mm -hmm. Um, Texas actually, back in 2008, kind of did the exact same thing. Um, it was one of Warren Jeff's very famous polygamist. It was one of his compounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, do you see the, the, the video of them marching all those girls oh, in yeah. pastel clothes? Oh, yeah. How could you miss it? How could you miss it? Yeah. And that blew up in their faces for the exact same reason. It became right. a PR nightmare. And then how do you deal with taking kids out of custody? You know, who, the mother of, uh, you know, the married, the actual married wife of one of the polygamists and then all these other women and their kids. It's just a sticky web. Right. And they did eventually all of them ended up back on the compound. Wow. And they only charged a couple people. Is that compound still active? Yes. No. Way. It's still there. Because it there's just no really easy way to deal with this. And so Utah learned that lesson. Now Texas has. Wow. So this idiot who did his television show, uh what was it called? Oh, Sister the Sister, Sister Wives. Wives. Yeah. Yeah. He he forced the issue into the spotlight because they right. they couldn't not deal with it. They had right. to actually address this because he was flaunting it. Right. So they signed this bill into law that basically just kind of expands some of the punishments and some of the definitions. But it was done under extreme duress and under as much secrecy as they could do it. Because, again, weirdly, the Mormon church does not want the subject of polygamy in the news at all. So, so yeah, another little fun nugget about the state of Utah. We still have a shit ton of polygamists. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also the suburban polygamists as well. Yes. They don't just live down on compounds. They also... Own houses in Sandy. And Apparently, Maryland the majority of them live in, in the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah, yeah, I would believe that. There's and the, have you ever seen their houses? You ever kind of notice them? Uh, the ones down in Harriman. Yeah. yeah, those ones stand out. But I mean, supposedly they're also just like blended into they're kind of the big, suburban landscape. Yeah, they're kind of big love. They're, yeah. they're around. Oh yeah, that and, was that scenario was very accurate. Yeah, actually. And there's a couple houses not far from where we're sitting, where you can see the facades of the houses, but you can if you pay attention. They're all joined in back. Um, so it's like... Really? Well, yep. Right around here? Not far from here at all. No way. And they're all driving minivans, which is not unusual in Utah. But yeah. So what? Like south? Uh, like in Fair Park? Or? Uh, California Avenue and like 9th West. No way. Yeah. It's a big... It's a big... It, I... I've, I feel like I have a good visual image of that. It doesn't look... Uh, you know, as you're driving by at 30, 40 miles an hour, you'd never notice. But if you, if someone points it out to you, you can't miss it. No way. We'll, we'll, we'll have to go take a little okay, field yeah. trip over yeah. there. and I would, I would love that. Look at the polygamists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, Utah. Utah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's always something, something weird. Well, and, Utah. you know, it's this problem is always going to be here because the founding documents of that religion 
yeah. advocate polygamy. And they, yeah. they have yet to remove uh, DNC 132. Yeah. So, but the founding documents also allow them to drink beer. So true enough. Why don't they do that? And they've changed uh, white and delights them to uh, um, fair and delights them or something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well there's, there have been, um, it's something, it's well over a thousand yeah. revisions of the Book of Mormon exactly. text. Just the Book of Mormon text has been revised. So why don't they just scrub 132 and the whole Book of Abraham and just wash their hands of it? It would make their lives easier. So much easier. They'd have to come up with a really good explanation. And that's the hard part. <laughs> God told him to do the, it. The prophet has never had that revelation. Nope. And so, and somebody like Thomas Monson is a true believer, right? Whatever's left up there is a true believer. <laughs> not to, again, not to bag on the guy, but he's old. He's going to die any day. Yeah. He's old and infirm. And they yeah. push him in front of the camera. It's hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. Now, if they ever get somebody who's not like a true, true, true believer in the presidency, maybe they could clean up some stuff. You think someone could, could ascend through that hierarchy without being a tried and true? I always kind of wondered about Hinckley, to be Hinckley. honest. Yeah. He was he, definitely more... He, I think mm. he was a believer, but I don't think he was like... I don't think he drank the Kool-Aid fully. Really? That was always my perspective. Huh. I don't know. Like, he just was so reasonable... Uh, at least his public, his public persona, like when he got in front of the media, yeah, like he really knew how to, um, and maybe that's the fact. Maybe that's why I have that perspective because he just seemed to know how to come off as a as a reasonable man. Of all the all of the being. guys in that hierarchy that we've seen in the past, however many years, he's definitely the one that seemed a little more clued in. Mm-hmm. He could talk to the press. Yeah, that's a low bar, but <laughs> yeah, he, he cleared it. He did. He ambled over it. Yeah. And he said something. I remember his uh, Mike Wallace interview on 60 yeah. Minutes um, back in the 90s. We watched it on my mission. Oh, yeah. And they sent the tape out from Salt I Lake. I think I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, all right. We'll, we'll get talking about more of that. Um, but, yeah, we were at a Zone conference, and they put it on. And I remember he, like, s- answered some of the questions in ways where I was like, really? Yeah. Huh. A little less than totally doctrinal. Yeah. 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 So, and that's why I think he wasn't like that strident true believer. Like he, he was willing to shift and move around just a little bit. Right. You know. But, you know, I I was, we were talking about Monson at one point a while back and it, you know, he was made an apostle, I believe in the early 1960s. He was young. So he was a bishop and a stake president and a missionary. Yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40 years before the church allowed black people to be full members. Correct. That's yeah. the church he was in, you know, he grew up in. Yeah. And that's the same for almost everyone in the 12 apostles and almost all the 70s. So yeah. they're, I mean, it's going to be generations before they move away from those residual effects. Yeah. I mean, who's the youngest one right now? Like Bedner? Yeah. They, they think, that recent addition is for, but he was in his 60s, right? I think he was like barely 60. Which is really young. Yeah, it's a spring chicken. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, actually, we've been talking about the Mormons. Um, I've got a Mormon story. Um, they <laughs> so downtown Salt Lake City, right across from the Temple Square complex, um, is the the Family History Library, mm-hmm. the LDS Family History Library, um, and it's it's a genealogy library and probably one of 
the finest in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Mormons have put a lot of money into genealogy. It's an important plays an important role in their theology. Uh, and but they want to get people excited about like oh, their, God. their ancestors <laughs> yeah. and and they want people showing up. And so and especially they would love to get kids from an early age educated into this and and uh so they've set up a an, an exhibit um an interactive exhibit actually God, called, i have um, no idea where this is going <laughs> called uh discovery experience and they uh one of the things that that you can do is you go in you log into I didn't know that this was even a thing. Your LDS account number, uh, and it will pull. Do you get up that in the temple? <laughs> right after your new name, this is a new thing. New name, and then your pin. Your new name is Ruben seven one four six two five nine. I wish that were true. Um, and, uh, Anyway, they uh, so you put it in, and it pulls up your your family history uh-huh. right then and there, which should have some creep factor, yeah. Right, they know so much about you, and uh, if you want, you can take a photo of yourself and then superimpose your face <laughs> onto figures dressed in native clothes oh, no. of. <laughs> of various cultures which are not even yours or your have no connection to your ancestors for example uh you can put your face on a bare-chested samoan oh my god or an american indian in a feathered fringed shirt or perhaps onto the body of a uh, chickasaw princess or a roman gladiator a mariachi musician (laughs) Or a British man decked out in a top hat and tails. <laughs> is, so, there, is there an app for this? I is, it, is it called Blackface? Oh, uh, yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. So does it, it doesn't take your white and delightsome face and just pop it onto a person of color. It actually blends you into the... No, it puts your white face on their brown body. <laughs> so... They were smart enough not to change the color of your face, I guess. I don't know if that makes it better it, or worse. Yeah, honestly. it's just a detail, I guess. They uh, they probably felt like that was going to keep them out of hot water. Uh, um, yeah, because this this got approved. This, this went got, through some process. Oh, yeah. Oh. This, I guarantee, well, not Thomas S. Monson. We've already talked about that. <laughs> they did. wheeled him over and put his white face <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a Chickasaw princess. Um <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the first time he's done that. Um, and there's also some fun details that you can learn uh, through the whole process. Uh, one of them that's ruffling some feathers. Uh, Are there feathers left unruffled at this point? Uh, this? Well, uh, apparently in the Samoan entry, uh, one of the main things that it points out is that obesity is considered a status symbol. Oh, <laughs> so they've gone through. So they've broken these cultures down to their stereotype yeah they're one most glaring obvious stereotype the only thing mexico has to offer is a mariachi and the thing yes and the the novel thing that the white people in utah are going to find interesting (laughs) about these cultures and first of all like really like the british man is in a top top hat hat? and tails like 
<laughs> it couldn't be like a coal miner. No. Or, you know. Yeah. Or, or I, I, I love even the Roman gladiator. Right. Like that was like, what, 1% of 1% of right. Romans? Right. You know, like what about just a man in a tunic? Right. You know, like, come on. And, and, and the whole concept anyway, the whole concept is a little weird. Um, just a little bit. It'd be one thing. Like I was kind of thinking about this. And I was like. I guess it would be one thing to like, oh, here we know your family history, so let's pull up some images of maybe some traditional dress. From your history. From your history, right? right? Yeah. That would actually be educational oh. and kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Like, for me, it's not that hard to imagine a, a man with a pretzel and a bratwurst, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the... <laughs> But at least it's applicable. At least it's applicable. Let's see what Frank looks like as a fat Samoan. <laughs> which not would make you very important in right. their culture. Very important. A fat German noshing on a... <laughs> Is this thing still up and running? Apparently, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't think they've backed off on it yet. It might be worth just going and checking out. I've always um, thought about what I'd look like as yeah. a Chickasaw princess. <laughs> Apparently, though, there is a lot of backlash, of course. Uh, especially amongst the more international uh, part of the Mormon Church, um, and you mean uh, the mariachi wing of the Mormon Church. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, uh, let's see, uh, Uzil Aribe, who's a bicultural Mormon living in Mexico, um, says that the that this uh, it makes her feel disposable. Um, these communities are facing very real marginalization and violence placed upon their bodies through international policy by the church and currently the United States, uh, she says. Um, to these very real bodies to be put on and taken off ends up desecrating them in a very very real way. And I, I think that's a very eloquent I way think, of putting it. Yeah, I think yeah. she, she summed it up right there. Yeah, I could and, probably sum it up in a couple less words. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably possible. I, I only ask because you didn't mention it. Is there, is there a black character in this panoply? Is there like a uh, slave you can put your face on or something like that? Boy, I don't, I didn't say it. You <laughs> would think that that would be the one in the headline. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Django fi yourself, you know. That must be where like, okay, we draw the line at black people, all right? <laughs> We've done that before. <laughs> they learned their lesson. <laughs> This is them learning their old, old habits. Yeah, right. This, so, yeah, this is a step forward. And they for them. really think that this is like, no, this is supposed to be about celebrating and uh, inclusion and diversity and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no. No. No, this is not how you do that. You know, you could do the thing they do at the um, Holocaust Museum where they give you a little, little piece of information when you walk in and you, you kind of live that experience through the eyes of a of an actor yeah victim yeah. of the holocaust yeah yeah you get a kind of little bio about them it, and yeah it's a little booklet yes right yeah and so you know they could say like okay you know this is what the life was like for a chicken saw princess and i right. I, I did not say chicken saw did i i don't believe so just delete all that out <laughs> i don't believe chicken so saw. i didn't hear chicken who's saw. the racist now <laughs> um you know they could do like okay what's like life on samoa yeah do they have to put your face on their face. I don't think so. I don't really think That's that... That's where it gets... It, it's weird. It, cr it crosses the line. Very, yeah. very obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, the um, church office building, uh -huh. if you look at it in profile, uh -huh. it's two giant globes and uh -huh. a huge tower. Yeah. It's hard not to see it as a cock and balls. Right. And that got past 
at some point there were a bunch of apostles standing around a table uh-huh. with the plan spread out. Right. And you know, all of them were thinking, this looks like cock and balls, but none of them could say it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it got built. <laughs> Surely nobody's mind is as dirty as mine. Is that what you're... Well, exactly. I can't admit that this looks like cock and balls. <laughs> And somehow this got passed. And was like, well, I can't say it looks racist because I don't want to sound right. I don't know. I have no idea. But it got it. got. We, yeah. we well, have I think to go to this I thing. I think it's just how um, sheltered yeah. their lives are and how like I, and I think they that there's a lot of overestimation in the Mormon community about what those two years abroad for a lot of their people. Right. Does for them. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, they I think they think that they're a lot more worldly and more exposed to the world than they really are. Yeah. Even though they've created the mission in this way that uh, it, it's amazing how well they're able to shelter the missionaries from real life exactly. in a lot of the places where they get sent. And, and, and we'll talk about this, but it, it is astounding to have, having gone through the experience how, mm-hmm. how much you actually experience of their culture and how much you don't. Yeah, exactly. Like you eat the food. You live yeah. in, the, in their houses. Right. You walk the streets, yeah. and, but somehow... And it's a remarkable level of exposure. Yeah. I mean, that le- that right there is amazing. It is amazing. But then it stops. But you're wearing a hazmat suit while you do it. Like, you oh, never really get it. Yeah. You never assimilate. No. Um, no. And, you know, let's not leave behind the attitude that I'm here to save you. Right. Wherever you are and what you're, whatever you're doing, well, I've got what you need. The desperate letters home for a tub of peanut butter. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> all you got was Nutella, right? Yeah, we had it. We, ah, yeah, it just sucked so bad <laughs> to have to live with Nutella for two years. <laughs> Nutella and Italian food for two years. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And no wine. I didn't know how bad that sucked. But yeah, in retrospect, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> that would have been amazing. You'd be an expert by now. Oh, I could not tell you. You're not. Oh, I'm, I'm not. Uh, no. I'm not. But I would sure know the difference between a Chianti and a Val Policella. <laughs> wow what that was sexy <laughs> <laughs> whatever all right um uh, well if you have anything to say about anything that we've talked about uh today um you can do so by emailing us the email address is podcast at thank god i'm or you can also call and leave us a voicemail message the telephone number is 424-666-8442 uh we do love to hear your voice and there's also um, a uh, thriving community on Facebook that you should go check out. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash TGI Atheist, uh, where you get uh, daily posts from uh, Mackenzie um, about all things atheist. And if you search for uh, on Facebook, the TGIA members only lounge, you can, lounge, uh, you can join our, our sort of closed community. It's private, protects your, your, your identity. Um, we've even refrained from tagging it as an atheist group just so nobody even knows what it is. You have to search for it. You request to join. We let you in and, uh, and it's quite awesome. It's moderated. So the, the conversation stays civil. I'm, I'm in there. Are you in there? Huh. I'm not. Are you not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You're not on Facebook. I'm, not on fa- I'm technically on Facebook, but I use it like once a month. You you and my brother have a lot in common that way. Yeah, I can't handle it. Yeah. I For years, I tried to like get into like, what, you know, what is this? You know, 
Mm. It's just a place to yell at people. I know. And I don't like that. <laughs> you have enough of those? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, all right. And uh, so anyway, if you would like to join that, please do. All right, Doug. I've got a little clip of audio I want to play for you. All right. <laughs> uh, Jim Baker, uh, who uh, I never thought in a million years I would find uh, entertaining and delightful. Really? Uh, oh, my God. Well, you know, I mean, back in the growing up, I would always hear Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Uh-huh. Right. And just I knew then that he was crazy. Um, and... Uh, Boy, he's just he's he's turned into the gift that keeps on giving. Indeed. Uh, so here's a little clip of him, uh, very upset about uh, things that people say uh, about our our president. Get ready. I know something big's going to happen. You think there's not shaking in the world? There's warfare. I'll tell you what. There's warfare in our government. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, did you see the? Did you see Colbert on the air the other night talking about the president? He said, terrible. I'm telling you, this isn't normal, comedian, happy, funny stuff. Angry. This is hate Trump. Kill Trump. Right. Kill the president of the United States. The president recently just signed this amazing bill that allows us to be able to speak freely on our TV shows, on our church pulpits, because there was a Johnson bill that said that we couldn't even talk about political things, but he signed the bill today that told the IRS, you cannot come for Jim Baker again. You cannot come and take him away because they're, they're preaching what they believe. Was there a horn in the back of that there at the last second? <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think it was starting up. Yeah, somebody has one of those Israeli. Oh, yeah, here come the whatevers. Here come the Christians. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a little bit to uh, unpack. There's a lot there. One. Yeah, it's a rich tapestry of stupidity. <laughs> I I don't think he knows what comedy is. No, this, for one, I would love to hear his notion of what good clean comedy is. Well, I think that's why... Uh, I hope it's Bill Cosby. Oh. <laughs> no, but I think it's why you don't see a lot of like really funny conservatives. No. Because they want it to be happy. Right. And that's not at all what's funny. No. It's usually dark. Yes. And... Self-deprecating uh-huh. and, you know, edgy. <laughs> yeah. All of the things that make life interesting yeah. that they've washed out of theirs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just this... Yeah. So... So, yeah, poor Stephen Colbert. Well, and, you know, again, people like Stephen Colbert live to be mentioned by Donald Trump or Jim Baker. Absolutely. It's, the, 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 it's pay dirt for them. Yeah. And what it was that Colbert said was that Donald Trump's penis or mouth is only good for Vladimir Putin's cock holster, which is <laughs> eloquent. But he didn't say kill the president. No, he didn't. The only person saying kill the president is him. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and the IRS, that I think he's misunderstanding the bill that was signed by the president. Absolutely. This, not a bill. this is not a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a president, it's an executive order. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
And also, I don't think his name was mentioned in there. No. Nope. Jim Baker gets a clean uh, get out of <laughs> get out of jail free card the next time he uh, rips off a bunch of his listeners. I think if he tries to go back to old habits, it's going to be it's a rude awakening. Well. Yeah, it will not go well for him. God. All right, Bible Land Two. Let's <laughs> saddle up, everybody. Saddle up. It's happening. Boy, his look has changed, though, hasn't it? He's turned into kind of a, a Bond villain look. Yeah. <laughs> that chrome dome, all tanned. And that, well, he lost a lot of weight. He did lose a lot of weight. For one. That'll happen in prison. Uh, and uh, he, he, he likes his ball caps now. Ball he caps. always wears like a ball cap with a Christian cross on it. Oh, um, he does that a lot. I think he sells them on the show. Of course he does. Yeah. Of course I mean, he does. It's, the Jim Baker show is just a giant, you know, we're selling you shit. Yeah. Hour. And right? he's probably rolling in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and because it's like they're able to uh, claim that there's some sort of ministry. Right. They get all that tax benefit. I mean, this guy, he never, uh, this this guy's not a true believer. This guy is in no. it for the cash. He, he believes saw, in something, but uh-huh. it's not, it's not. He understands how to talk to Christians, um, or at least this style of Christian, and he knows how to make money off of it. I, I, so all that shit he hawks mm-hmm. is tax-free? Now, see, that part, I'm not quite sure how that would work. Oh, my God. Um, but... Because I've been doing my business wrong low these many years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just set it up as a... It's a religious institution. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dan and I joked in the early days of the podcast of, making, you know, it's making a this a ministry, you know, and just having the all of the benefit that that would, would have for us. What stopped you? Ah, we just never did it. <laughs> it's the paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, had to, we had to look stuff up on the we internet. to file something. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to do that? No, I think I mean, we, we did look into it a little bit, and it just seemed a little... I was always just like, I don't even want to mimic their model. Right. Right. And there was something that felt shady yeah. about it, you know, and risky. Right. A little bit. <laughs> a little risky. On an, and the IRS is not really an organization you want to. You know uh, you should talk to about this? Who? Jim Baker. <laughs> what do you mean? I think he has lots of experience in doing exactly this. <laughs> just reach out to yeah, him. just say, hey, I've got some questions. <laughs> So I've noticed you have this history of defrauding people. <laughs> you should sell that. Write a how-to, Jim. I'll buy it. <laughs> no, that's terrible. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, we pay our taxes because, you know, that's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. It's part of living in a, in a civilized... It's the dues. You know, it's the membership in, in a, dues. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, we have a, a voicemail that came in this week that I, I wanted to play. Uh, this is uh, from a longtime listener, and uh, uh, he's responding to a conversation that Dan and I had about wedding officiants and uh, the fact that we just feel like anyone and everyone should be able to, to do it. Hey, Frank and Dan. It's uh, Adam from Las Vegas. Uh, called long time ago. Been a long time listener. I haven't called in a long time. Um, but I'm a wedding officiant out here, and I've mentioned that before when same-sex marriage became legal. But I wanted to just throw my two cents into the whole Oregon secular officiant uh, business. Um, first of all, I think it's all pretty ridiculous because the way they handle that here in Nevada is they just allow notaries to do weddings. You don't have to be 
a member of any sort of specific organization, you just, you're a notary. You swear before the clerk, you do all the things you have to do to be a notary to basically show that you, uh, your, your word is good and you're recognized by the state and there you go. You can do weddings as a notary. And second, um, when you guys were talking about how, uh, any Joe Blow should be able to do ceremonies, I mean, conceptually, yeah, I agree with you, but from experience, I'll just let you know. Those people that, like, have no experience doing weddings, oh, my God, they're the worst weddings. They're just the worst ceremonies ever. Like, you think you want to have your brother or your good friend do it. You know, maybe, Dan, um, with your background in theater, you can kind of understand that when, you know, you're officiating something, there's some level of art and uh, performance involved. It's kind of like saying, you know, I really like Hamlet, but I think my brother should be the lead in this because he's really cool with people. And just kind of imagine that. That's kind of how it goes with weddings, too. So I think just some experience being able to have it, you know, having done this quite a few times is good to have behind you. So, yeah, no, don't don't uh, disagree on legal grounds, but don't just have your friend do your wedding because you think he's cool. Trust me, it's going to be horrible. Anyway, thanks, guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, hmm. I think that's some nice perspective from someone in the industry. Yeah. Uh, I almost thought he said he was a, mar- a marriage aficionado. <laughs> I know all the best marriages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um yeah, you know, like I that's a good point. Yeah. Your 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 brother may not do a great job. Yeah. I was at a wedding of, um, a couple years ago uh where the uh very not religious couple uh, asked their apparently very religious brother to perform a oh, non-religious no. ceremony and it didn't go the way that they had hoped he tried to shoehorn in all the stuff oh he did ah. yeah he made it a religious oh. ceremony lots of lots of god talk and and it was just like and they were just up there just like smiling you know through it so i mean you hire someone and they pull that shit yeah it's a different story but if it's your brother yeah but you know i've been to two ceremonies that were not professionally done uh-huh. that were great oh yeah. yeah i've been to some of those as well but yeah. Um, I mean, if you want a professional, get a professional. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I went to a wedding in Vegas one time where it was kind of a wedding chapel deal. That was uh-huh. what they were going for. Yeah. And the guy was super weird. But when it came to the moment of actually doing it, everybody uh-huh. was crying. Oh, wow. He, like, he, he did have some skills. He knew how to, yeah, to he, work a wedding He crowd. read the crowd and did it right. <laughs> They're divorced now, so. Oh. Well. <laughs> that matters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, you know, do it the way that works for you. Right. I think that's kind of the point. Right? I, yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I think the anyone should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. If you want, an, you know, someone with some experience, go for that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But is, uh, is, so, is being a notary less of a qualifying, um, stricture than being a pastor of some church? Well, the thing that we were talking about was, uh, this law that had passed in Oregon, that was changing the requirements for like, you know, like, uh, like when my dad was Mormon Bishop, right. Yeah. He just walked down to the County hall, uh, showed whatever certification he got from the church and just was able to sign up as somebody who was able to officiate right. At weddings. Right. Because, and for the non Mormons out there who are like, wait, okay, this isn't making too much sense because I know Mormon weddings are in temples. Right. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about bishops, your local bishop, will sometimes perform non-temple ceremonies and all the while sort of slipping in a lot of references to the temple and 
commenting on how this couple needs to prepare right. to go to the temple right. through the whole ceremony. And yes. it's, it's bullshit, but that's what they do. And uh, But it was just simple, simple paperwork. Oh, you're a member of the clergy. Right. Therefore, here you go. Here you go. No questions asked. Right. And, but, and I'm not sure how it is in Oklahoma, but typically that's how it is everywhere. But the thing that you have to do if you're not a member of the clergy is basically become like a justice of the peace right. or something like that, which is a whole different process. Right. And so what Oregon was saying was we are going to allow members of like, like sort of ranking members of organizations in general to like community organizations to be able to come and do the exact same thing. So conceivably, you know, someone at the VFA or the lions club or whatever. Planned parenthood. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Some nonprofit organization of some kind, be able to send somebody down and then now they have it. And we were saying, well, if you're going to go that far, right. Just fucking let anybody do it. it Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's interesting, the whole notary thing. I don't know what the process to become a notary is. I don't is. think it's... T- I have no idea. You have to go get something notarized, probably. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's like being a mason. It's just yeah. passed on from person to person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, we do have uh, some patrons that I want to thank. We have some new patrons uh, this week. Uh, three, to be precise. Uh, we have Eric, who's coming in at the Faithful level so thank you eric uh and then there's michael who's a new venerable listener and then scott who i'm i'm impressed scott that's that's a wonderful pledge and you're coming in at the pope level (laughs) the pope level is the highest level except for savior uh and the savior level status is reserved for a top donor who continues to be james so james right now lord and savior (laughs) Thank you so much. If you would like to um, become a patron, you can do so by going to our website, which is thankgodimatheist.com, and clicking on the support tab. And once you're there, um, there are some options. The one we're talking about today, of course, is going to to, to Patreon and uh, setting up an account there if you don't already have one. And then uh, just, you know, selecting your, your, your level of support. And you can do it at whatever level is comfortable for you. Uh, any Anybody who does go on to Patreon uh, does get a commercial-free version of the show, which is a nice benefit. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in there. I don't know I what level gonna, I am. You, uh, I, you uh, are I think I'm the peasant the, level. I think No, I think you're beatified. Oh. I, I looked you up, actually, oh, you did. Before, before the show, because I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, because I think a lot of times what Dan and I talk about with uh, supporting the show. I mean, it's from us, right? right? We're doing the show, and it's nice to have support. But why do you support the show? I'm, and I'm just throwing this at you. I so. wanted to get on air. I thought this was the easiest way to get my voice and message out there. <laughs> well, that's not going to work for everyone, so... Uh, no, I feel, you know, I, free con... I mean, I, you know, I donate to NPR, and I, I, I feel kind of that I need to pay for the things that I consume, and... Mm. You know what I mean? And support them because they won't last if I don't. So I'm that guy when the pledge drive happens that ends up calling by the last day. So well, Awesome. Yeah. All right. And we're on the list. So. Yes. Well, you're, uh, your media I consume. Well, thank you, Doug. You're welcome. Um, thank it, you. It does mean a lot. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and it does 
it, it helps us um, it helps us keep the show going and and you know we don't really talk about um, about it too much right like we do our little our little pitch and everything and this is totally unplanned but I want to say thank you to everybody I'm in the process of buying a house right now and um, you know we, we don't make enough off the show in order to do this full time but um, let me tell you it helped with my down payment nice and that was amazing nice. and the realization that all of a sudden I had this moment where I was like you know what that was the listeners that's awesome and and so thank you guys um, it, 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 it really uh, it, it, it means a lot the roof so. over your head yeah that's yeah. amazing All right, Doug. All right. It's time to talk about the mission. (sighs) Best two years of your life. (laughs) Oh, so good. (laughs) Such a good time. Um, 20, what? God. 20 some odd years ago? Yeah, about half my life ago. Yeah, Yeah. crazy. Um, Yes, I'm in the same boat. I got back in 96. Yeah, we overlapped. I got back in 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now tell me, tell me where, where you went and tell me a little bit about... I went to the Honduras-San Pedro Sula mission. So I was a north coast, northern half of Honduras in Central America. Wow. And if uh, any of you aren't looking at a map, um, Central America, just below Mexico, kind of takes a jaunt to the right. Uh Uh-huh. That, the top, that, that jaunt, that's the north coast of uh, Honduras. Oh, wow. And if any, any, anyone ever saw the Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford? Yes. That is very much where I was. Oh, wow. Yep. Literally. Wow. Yeah. Was that it? That wasn't a true story or anything, was it? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. That was a weird story, it actually, was a... now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, okay. So what was, what was your mission like? Like, what, was the, what were the communities like that you were? So the northern coast of Honduras was very, uh, there was a lot of uh, African influence there because, mm-hmm. because of the slave trade. Right. And then uh, where I was in cities were very, were very, very grindingly poor industrialized cities like really just astounding poverty wow and uh it was hot and dirty and dangerous and uh you know pretty damn miserable and there you were in your white shirt marching around in my white shirt with a tie on yep backpack yep didn't have to wear a jacket like you because it was like 110 degrees and 100 percent humidity all year round all the time (laughs) sometimes it rained which didn't help oh oh wow but uh we baptized uh you know and i recently went back and looked at a lot of the photos that i took while i was there Mm. and and, and who it was i baptized and it was almost all kids you know really nine ten eleven year olds yep oh wow you know i doubt if any any of them even remembered that it happened you know, uh, let alone are still members of this right religion. I mean, I've heard about that 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 practice a soccer lot. soccer and missions. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, that's that's fascinating. I mean, it's entirely different than, than uh-huh. my experience. So, what was your experience? Well, I mean, it was Rome, Italy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> my first uh, my first city was this beautiful city up in the mountains uh, with a just incredible. Uh, historic town center with towers, you know, stone towers, and yeah, uh, and the 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 town was known for its uh, like its ceramics and wow, uh, and just just the most delightful people in really? the city. Oh my god, so so friendly. Um, even to you, even to the missionaries. 
Absolutely. Really? Um, in fact, the, the local thing was because, you know, like in Italian with a lot of like romance languages, there's the formal version of you right. and the informal. Right. And the local dialect didn't use the formal oh, wow. at all. And so they were really bothered when we would use the formal. They wanted us to be friendly. They right. wanted us to be sort of in in the fold with them, you know. Yeah. And it was it was it was uh yeah, they they that was an amazing amazing place. Uh no baptisms. Not one. No. Not no. not one that I can I can claim. My companionship uh, Okay, so okay. So I was transferred into uh a, a, a town where the missionary where the the missionary that I was replacing and my new companion had been right. prepping and working with somebody. And that baptism happened like a week after I arrived. You were the so closer. I, yeah, but I don't count it. Right. You know, that, that was not somebody I found. I helped teach like the last discussion before the baptism. So, so did you teach a lot of discussions? Did that happen? We taught often? a lot of firsts. Yeah. A lot yeah. of firsts. I can rattle off. I could probably rattle off the first discussion. <laughs> I probably could too. In, in Italian. Yeah. <laughs> no problem right now. Um, and, uh, but there were, there were a handful of seconds. If I remember right, that's the one where you commit them to baptism. Second, second, second out of the six discussions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell you what three, four, five, and six. Yeah. It, even six address. was, I, I don't even know if I ever taught a six. Really? Cause you get to, you, once they're going to get baptized, you're just like making arrangements for it. And you do maybe three and four and five, but then, you know, by the time you get to six, you're on oh, to wow. the next guy. No, I remember the branch president always, like with the branch president interview, I, I do seem to, again, though, I have no experience in, in, <laughs> in the realm, so who am I to speak? Uh, but nonetheless, um, no, I'm, I'm really, so, like the converts that I knew about in Italy were adults. Right. And uh, of all ages, you know, like some older people, um, uh, there were some younger people. I mean, clearly the missionaries being young themselves, um, could, could occasionally reach out to somebody in their early twenties right. and, and uh, connect and, but it was, it, it did always seem like it was something that those people, um, like the ones that I had met who were young, right. They didn't stick around after their missionaries right. left. Right. Um, and so I did a lot of like, um, visits to recent converts. Right. I say a lot. It happened. Um, I'd go around and, and meet with some of these people and try to find out why they weren't still coming to church and, and whatnot. Um, and no, no connection, no human. Right. No, See, that, their, their friend was no longer there. Exactly. So and that, that was always, I think that might've been the first crack in my, you know, my religious experience was mm. I, I went into it, believing it. I went into it a hundred percent, dedicated like, huh. i believe this i'm you know but it in the mtc the missionary training center and then into the mission field i'm like well why are we using high pressure sales tactics uh, and uh -huh. you know like if if what we're bringing is honestly what it says it is right shouldn't it kind of stand on its own legs right and we would do a second discussion and if they said no we would we would move on we wouldn't stick with it and try and teach them more discussions oh really yeah because it was a numbers game and wow. that was what bothered me too is like you know just We'd get together for our zone and district meetings and just, you'd put, you'd tick marks on the chalkboard. Yeah. And the mission president would pitch you against the other zones and districts. Yeah. It's like, well, is this, is it me or is this weird? Hmm. And I, I kind of felt like that undercut 
what it was that we were doing, right? Right. I thought we'd be out there helping people. No. Building huts and, no. you know. No. It's not humanitarian. No. Not at all. <laughs> like, uh, I think we had two or three hours a week that we were yeah. supposed to fill with service work. Yeah. Um, two hours of which we uh, took care of with our English class program. Right. Did you, did you teach English classes? Mm-hmm. So this was actually, it was a finding uh, event. This was one of the things that we did to try to find Smart. people to talk to, yeah. right? So we'd hang up flyers all around town uh, for these uh, free English classes taught by Americans. Uh-huh. Come to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at such and such address and on Tuesday night. Wow. Uh, like Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights. We, or Tuesdays and Thursdays we would do it. And, uh, and so we would, uh, we'd have people show up. Yeah. And the rule really was English class is English class. Really? Uh-huh. And we would we would just teach English class and we would make these friends, right? Who would show up every single week. Because here's this American kid. Yeah, he's a little weird. Yeah. He wears a suit. I don't know why. Right. But like It's a free class. It's a free class. Yeah. And I'm meeting other people and these American kids are kind of funny and I'm getting to practice something that um i need that's a that's a that's smart yeah and we uh as far as i know well i never found a an investigator that way but i made some friends that way investigator i forgot about that term (laughs) (laughs) so stupid (laughs) yeah uh yeah what do you think about it (laughs) it is um but so we we would do two of those uh we'd count those two hours as service and that's how we kept it out of, because we recognized the value of it as a finding tool. Right. But if we actually um, were using it in our finding hours, we would need to actually uh, infuse it with Right. You'd have religion. to actually apply right. the commitment pattern. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, uh, we, would, we kept it sort of sacred and separate. And Did you, uh, was that a decision on your part or on like the mission president's part? We whispered it around. Wow, that's, uh, we weren't really sure if the mission president was cool with that or no, not. No, I, and we just, we kept it, we kept it totally apart. Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other thing we would do often there in Rome, we would go to, um, uh, Caritas, which is like Catholic charities. Oh. And we would, um, at that place we helped distribute clothes at a homeless uh shower and get clean clothes facility and that was actually pretty cool that's cool yeah but that was one hour a week yeah you know and those catholic ladies they loved us and but it did nothing right you know aside from helping out the homeless in rome yeah we i mean we we would clean up people's yards and yeah yeah. pretty that that those memories were good because it was we actually and in a lot of ways you took a you you had a reprise from yeah, from the uh, having to constantly ask, of, "Will you do this? Uh-huh. Will you do that?" You know, yeah, which puts so much strain on every relationship. Yeah, you know, and, and even the members, mm-hmm. you're like, "Hey, do you know anybody? Do you know anybody?" Do you uh-huh. know? Just God, it was yeah, it was like living in Glengarry Glen Ross for two years. Yeah, yeah, or uh, salesman. Yeah, the Maisel's brothers. Yeah, documentary <laughs> Bible salesman. Um, but um. Yeah, yeah, it was twelve hour days, right? Yo, it was it was brutal, and you know, you you and I had a similar yeah. experience with the language because they're so similar. Yeah, but you'd get up at six and you'd study mm-hmm. you'd study Spanish and or Italian and mm-hmm. the Bible and the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. till like nine a.m. every mm-hmm. day. Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder we learned the language. 
Yeah. It was pounded into us. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you ever had this happen, but it happens to me all the time when people are like, oh, you speak Spanish. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you served a mission? Like, yeah. And they're like, oh. Like, you didn't work for it. <laughs> like, no, dude. You have no idea. You, you, I sure you did the same thing. I would, if I heard a word I didn't know, uh-huh. I would write it down. Absolutely. I'd look it up. I'd make a flashcard. Uh-huh. I'd yeah. sit on the bus and do flashcards all day. Yeah. Yeah. I worked my ass off. Yeah. But it was desperate. I had to. Like, I was, you know, it was survival. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Did you have any companions who didn't speak English? Uh, no. Oh, wow. No, I had two Italian companions and they both had flawless English. Really? <laughs> they, and they were like the two, uh, like, there were only a handful of Italian missionaries in the mission. But the the they were the two who spoke English. Oh wow! And the rest of them all had this like really broken English and really couldn't get along in English at all. And uh, I was just like, how did I get these two bozos? Right? You know, like I didn't learn a thing from them. Right? Not that way. Well, you know? so I landed in Honduras, um, was put on a bus, mm-hmm. went five hours on then on another bus for another five hours, and my companion didn't speak English, and oh, we wow. were the only two in the area. No way. So for the first six months, I barely spoke English. And it was the, you know, brutal for the first few months yeah. because I, could, I couldn't point to where I was on a map, which is a very disassociative experience, you yeah. know, not being able to really know where you are. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do if I broke my leg or fell or what. You know, I couldn't express myself to my companion. So oh it, my God. it was very rough for the first few months. And I, you know, I picked up more Spanish in those, I think, three months than I did the whole rest of the time I was I'm there. I'm sure. It was crammed. Yeah. Yeah, but it had to be amazing for your Spanish. It was. I came. I was six months there. I came out of there speaking basically fluent Spanish. Yeah, but it was yeah. the you know not not being able to say I need to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry. Oh my god! To, you know what I mean? Like you, you're. It's it was endlessly frustrating. No, it was not the experience at all. <laughs> not at all. Like <laughs> it was all Americans the entire time. A couple Australians, a British guy. Yeah. Um, probably some Canadians in there somewhere, you know, but whatever. But yeah, just like a lot of Utahns and smattering right. of other people from the rest of the English speaking world and, and a few Italians. And that was, that was who was serving in the Rome mission. Our mission president didn't speak a lick of Italian. No way. Oh yeah. Seriously. Oh, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> his Italian was amazing. And he was right at the tail end of his, of his mission. Like their their three year calling, right? yeah, right. Three mission presidents, um, and uh, he spoke a teensy bit, right? Like he could have like the 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 APs, the um, assistants to the president, yeah. right? They would uh, help him translate his talk into very basic Italian, no way. Right? And then he'd get up there just and read he it could phonetically, kind of read it, and every once in a while he would kind of stray from it and kind of try to get through it. But it was just like, I mean, it was. Um, Buongiorno, fratelli e sorelle. Uh, like it was just how you could hear how American he was, right. even if you don't even speak the language. Um, it was it was really really rough. Sister Parker didn't speak a word. Right? She oh she had her anziani and her sorelles, you know, who she just loved, and it was like. Holy cow. That's, that's so nuts. Wow. Both of my mission presidents were Guatemalan. Oh, no way. Yeah, I, okay. didn't, I didn't even know there were mission presidents that didn't speak the language. That seems like pointless. Well, Italian isn't widely spoken, true. and the church there doesn't produce uh, I guess native true. mission presidents. I'm sure and that's so, true in the Philippines. and Yeah, there's probably a ton of places where it's just this, you know, some guy from Centerville. 
who served a mission, you know, and I think his mission was somewhere in the United States, you yeah. know, and then, uh, and he was, those, those two were, they were delightful people. He was so just relaxed and his attitude about the whole thing was like, and he just knew that we weren't going to have converts. And right. so the pressure was so low. That's, that's he cool. He just wanted us to basically follow the rules. Um, did you carry around your white Bible all the time? Of course. Uh-huh. You know, we did all the basic missionary stuff. Um, but like come P day, right? Per, what is it? actually? Preparation. Preparation day. day. Um, which is not a whole day. And I always resented that. <laughs> it's only a few hours. Um, but we had, uh, open permission, just standing permission to leave our zones oh, and cool. go wherever in the city we wanted to That's go. That's awesome. So like he, he got that we were also, that there was a cultural experience and a chance to see things that we would never get to see in right. that sort of depth. Right. Um, ever again. That's unless very you cool. live there. And, and so I got, a, I really got to see Rome. Um, I had these two, two member friends who would, it didn't matter where I was at in the city, they would show up on P-Day and they had an itinerary all figured out. <laughs> no and they would like, t- okay, so today we're going to get on the subway God. and we're going to go out to the, like right out to, I can't remember where, where it was called. And then we're going to have a picnic at the aqueducts. Okay, cool. And they would bring the food and we'd ride down and sit in some grassy field and the base of some ancient Roman aqueducts. And Dude. <laughs> <laughs> do you know on, on p days more often than not i would do my own laundry on yeah. a on a cement sink no. with a hard bar of soap <laughs> that was my p day you didn't have a washer in your apartment no <laughs> <laughs> you know what? for the first six months i did it on a rock in a river which is actually kind of nice yeah yeah well you learned a skill well and there. the big african women would go to do, to do their uh you know african ethnicity yeah. women they were, they were um uh god i'm gonna i'm gonna mess it up so i'm not gonna do it um the ethnicity but they would uh they do their laundry with their tits out oh really giant black tits okay so it was at least something at least there was that it was that it was that <laughs> they were nice and they yeah. they would they would correct our technique really yeah i learned how to wash wow my laundry on rocks in a river in northern okay. Honduras. that's crazy now like our apartments were nothing special but um, the rent was such that there were always usually about six missionaries in an right. apartment and, uh, and they were just perfect. The, 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 apartments that had been around for a while were so perfectly adapted to missionary life. It was right. amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't have that experience. <laughs> Did you have a, a, at least a lot of, you know, dinners with members and yeah but i mean it was not it was uh it wasn't italian food but that was it was no, but it was rice beans and chicken oh, okay and i got sick a lot a lot a lot a oh, lot I, oh i got yeah. malaria really i got dengue fever no I had, way. I had dysentery no way are you serious, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. holy crap yeah it was oh, we man. had rats a lot and cockroaches all the time and wow yeah, there were big rodents who lived in the ceiling of one of our apartments that we just left alone they left us alone yeah, I went to a, I went to a G seven country. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think Italy's in there, but then, you know, I mean, it's at the end of the day, we were doing the, the exact same thing. No, oh, yeah, and I, the the corporate speak of it all, uh-huh. you know, investigators, commitment pattern, uh-huh. preparation day, yeah, 
it's such a when you know when you kind of peel back a little bit from and, and distance yourself a little bit it is a religion that is essentially a corporation yeah multi-level marketing as a religion right. yeah and oh, yeah. I, I really do think that drained a lot of my fervor out of me by the time i came mm-hmm. out of that i had lost i mm-hmm. it, it i didn't believe in it as much it took some other things to, to get me out of religion right but that was where the luster came off right because i'm just selling a thing right well i mean we should probably talk about the commitment pattern yeah Right, because yeah. people are probably like, what the fuck is the commitment pattern? So uh, it took me a long time to remember how to say it in English because it was the modelo de compromiso in Spanish. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it is, it is essentially high-pressure sales techniques uh-huh. that you apply to people that want to know about your faith. Right. And it's all about asking will you questions, uh-huh. not open-ended questions, right. eye contact. Building relationships. Building relationships, complimenting. Uh-huh. See, did you, not to... To harp on these differences, but where I was, there wasn't a lot to compliment when you walked up to somebody's house. <laughs> you know, it was dirt yeah. and a curtain for a door. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. nice curtain. It's a very nice curtain. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're supposed to come up with something like, oh, your garden is so pretty, or, you know, you're, you're just like, well. <laughs> no, I don't remember that at all. I don't remember the complimenting thing. Yeah. Maybe that was part of the, building relationships. That maybe was that's the, why there's no baptisms in Italy. <laughs> he didn't compliment. They, they forgot to teach us how to compliment. They left one step out. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember that. I'm sure we did. Um, yeah. No, but like at the, at the MTC, the Missionary Training yeah. Center in Provo, one of the things that I remember just being kind of, I was half shocked, half impressed by the whole thing yeah. where you actually go into like the basically like it's it's the the role play center. Mm. I can't remember what they called it. Like maybe they called it like the I can't remember what they called it. But you would go and there was somebody on the other side of a door. Yeah. And you would ring the doorbell, yeah. right? Or knock on the door and they would answer the door and you'd have to practice yep. your like door approach, mm-hmm. right? And the whole thing was on videotape, right? And they would like play it back for you yeah. and talk you through what you did, right? Where Just you like improve. Jesus wanted. It was unbelievable. Like, the, the, they were using very sophisticated yep. training techniques yep. to to teach you how to do these things more effectively. Yep. And it was really weird. It was it, it, it felt- like you were so in it that mm-hmm. you couldn't really see it for what it was. Yeah. But it was very, I mean, it was just like, I would assume how Amway goes about getting their people up to speed. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Any kind of, yeah, did absolutely. You, did you notice in the MTC, the sister missionaries? I know not as much, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the, the more attractive ones uh-huh. were always going to temple missions. Oh. And the less attractive, more, you know, frump, frumpy or shapely were, were going to darkest Peru. No. Did you ever pick up on that? Uh, I've always noticed that like the Temple Square yeah. missionaries, the sister missionaries at Temple Square are, are attractive Good women. Good looking women. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's not universal. I mean, and you remember back in the day when you and I were, were there, you were going on a mission as a woman because you, you failed to get married. Right. And so not all of them were terribly attractive. And I'm not being, I hope I'm not being mean or insensitive. Right. Um, but of that stock, the, the better looking ones were always going to the Temple Missions and the worst ones were getting sent far, far away. <laughs> and that was one of those things I'm like, that seems strange to me. It huh. seems a little bit almost, uh, you know, 
prostitution-y. Well, yeah. It's a little superficial. A little superficial. nothing else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now, now it's 18 and 19-year-olds. I know. So you go if you're a woman no matter what, basically. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I mean, that's how they, they talk about boosting their missionary numbers, and they're yeah. so proud of the, the increase. But by just opening it up to girls more... Uh, being more accepting of it because it was always kind of discouraged. It was a, it was a stigma. You went because yeah. you, you literally had failed to find a husband. Right. And you're 24 years old and you're a spinster. <laughs> right? No, it was true. It was true. It was true. And, you know, huh. insult to injury, if you're not a pretty looking spinster, you're going to, you know, yeah. you're not going to Italy. <laughs> well, no, I, we had a lot of sister missionaries. Yeah. Um, did, were there many sent to? Yeah, it was a fair amount. Yeah. Because, I mean, most zones that I was in, or districts, rather, there were there was always a sister. At least a couple. Yeah. Missionary yeah. couple, whatever you call it. Uh, companionship. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It, you know, and here's here's one thing that I still, to this day, don't regret it. Yeah. And I don't even resent it on any level. Yeah, I mean, it's either. It's really weird. It is weird, isn't it? Because I feel like on, I so easily could. Right. Or there would be a really easy thing to to feel like, you guys took two years of my life. Yeah. Right? And I really, I just, it was such a transformative moment in my life and such a pivotal moment. Yep. Like, I know why people, especially like active Mormons, uh, talk about their mission for like the rest of their life. Right. Right. Because it's this, it, it is, it's just this amazingly powerful thing and you're, you're, you're all in. Yeah. You know, and if you're not all in, it's miserable. Right. Right. And but, you, you, it's noticed if you're not all in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, they try to f- correct that course. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Well, and you know, huh. you're, you, when, you're, when you're far from home and you're lonely and you're 19 and 20 years old and all you've got that you can really hold on to is your faith, you hold oh. on to it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, most Mormons come home from their missions. If they stay in the church, they get married and start having kids right away. Uh-huh. So to say it was the best two years of their life is true uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Because yeah. they're never going to relive that kind of adventure. Right. And those who kind of get to walk away, our lives aren't so, and I don't mean to be, this is sounds so mean, I don't, our lives aren't so gray. Right. That we can look back on it fondly, but we've done other things since then. Right. And we've had That's other adventures point. since then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't regret it either. I mean, for me, Spanish has been a huge leg up in my industry, and yeah, um, it was miserable at times. But I, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I wouldn't not do it. I've never found Italian to be useful. <laughs> <laughs> Just when describing wine, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I've never been able to use it for anything. Yeah, um, it's. I still love it. Do you practice it at all? Eh, I'll turn on like. Thanks to the internet, I yeah. can now watch like um, their 24-hour uh, news channel. Yeah, um, and uh, the, a lot of the rest of it's all like region blocked. Right, but um, but that I can watch live and uh, on the internet, and that's that's nice. And so I do that. Yeah, and occasionally I'll watch an Italian film and uh, try to you know turn the subtitles off and. It sucks. It goes kind of quick, doesn't it? It does. It slips away. It comes back quick, but it It does. I've I've been back to Italy twice since the mission. Um, And the last time I was there was 2012. Um, And yeah, the first couple days were a little, you know, halting all through speech. But then, yeah, by the end of like, I think it was, I think we were there for like 12 days. And uh, yeah, it was was back. Nice. It 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 felt good. 
Uh, so that's reassuring, yeah. you know, that it can come back so quickly. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, to your point, they stole, they did take two years of my life, but they also had taken the previous 19. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's, yeah, it, no, that's it. Yeah. It, I, I don't know if I would have actually left the church the way I did if I hadn't done that. I think I needed to go all the way uh, uh-huh. and just, you know, then I was able to ext- extricate myself from it. Yeah. And no, it I took I, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably as good a place to end it as any. All right. Um, so, yeah, first, thank, thank you again. Thanks for, for having for being me. here, Doug. My pleasure. Uh, it was really great. Um, and uh, if you'd like, to, of course, to thank Doug yourself, you can uh, send us an email at uh, podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Uh, join us on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash TGI Atheist. And uh, while on Facebook, you can search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. It's a closed group, but we will let you in. Uh, special thanks, of course, always goes out to Mackenzie for all of her work on Facebook. And for the Facebook moderators, Danny and I'm trying to recall the name of the other one. <laughs> Or ones. Dan knows them. I don't. <laughs> so he'll thank you doubly next week. Uh, and uh, thanks to uh, the Red Rock Hot Club and Gordon Johnston for the use of their music. Uh, and thank you, uh, our dearest listener, for listening. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.